Spectrum is brought to you by the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. Before a new idea can become a way of thinking, before one detail can flip the narrative, before anything that matters can change the world, it must, above all, be known. The duty of the Scripps College of Communication is to bring forth the people who bring forth the knowledge, by word or image or data stream and in every medium and by all means, they succeed. They say, make it loud, make it clear, make it known. Learn more at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. Welcome to Spectrum. I'm your host, Tom Hudson. On Spectrum, we cover a wide range of topics. We feature journalists, authors, scholars, policymakers, activists, innovators, and sometimes people with just fascinating stories. Today, we're talking with Dr. Janice Collins, a six-time Emmy Award-winning journalist, national and international award-winning educator, and Associate Professor of Journalism at the E.W. Scripps School of Journalism at Ohio University. We're talking about the various crises facing journalism and journalists, from loss of jobs to loss of audience. We also will have our eyes on the future of media. Janice, We've talked uh, privately about the status of journalism, but I wanted to dip into your expertise and have you describe for our listeners what journalists are facing right now. We know that news outlets are closing, jobs are being lost. Some people say journalism is a dying profession. I know you feel the opposite of that. Can you sort of frame what's going on in journalism? Yeah, sure, Tom. Thank you for the question. And so my first um, response to what journalists are facing, um, I have to, because our constituency is the public, and we service the fourth estate, whatever journalists are facing as we discuss this, um, this is what the public is facing as well. And part of that is we've had, of course, the um, the loss of jobs in journalism um, across platforms, some mediums more than others, such as um, print publication, news publications. Um, we have lost uh, not only jobs because of the jobs that we've lost, we've also um, lost news outlets that are important, especially the local and independent um, outlets that were, that are <laughs> that really um, help to form and help to protect democracy. Um, we are losing them, especially when it comes to print publications at a rapid pace. Um, and this is very troubling because as we lose journalism, as we lose uh, ethical journalism, as we lose journalism jobs and journalists, we're losing the voice of constituency. We're losing the voice of democracy. We're losing losing the idea of a marketplace of ideas where we are producing news and disseminating news to the public that they can use to make better decisions for themselves. 
How would you counter the argument, though, that we now have more media than ever? Social media allows almost everybody to be a journalist. And so even though news jobs are being cut back, that uh, really the public is still being served by the flow of information through social media. Right. Well, I say to that is my first um, fundamental issue uh, with um, with that notion. It is a notion because just because you can write, just because you can tell a story does not make you a journalist. So I've heard that argument many times, especially including um, involving social media, that everybody can be a, a journalist. Everyone cannot be a journalist. Um, journalists are, have to, ethical journalism and journalists have to adhere to rules. They have to adhere to the code of ethics. They are protected by the law in ways that citizens are not protected, even though they're journaling. I think that the social media does a great job in allowing more voices to be heard. But if you look at recent research, allowing more voices to be heard in social media has actually brought fragmentation more than anything. The audience now and the listeners now and the readers are more divided than ever. And that's one of the reasons why is because while we have wonderful platforms for social media, not all adhere to ethical storytelling, dissemination of information. You know, it's an easy way to have, as we know, misinformation and disinformation. Uh, the research is, is deep in that, in the fact that there's not being monitored. Um, social media is not being monitored to make sure that the information is correct. Uh, that, you know, part of social. So, for instance, one of the big differences in journalism, one of the code of ethics is that you seek the truth and report it. The other aspect is that you minimize harm, which means that we should not report on information that is not pertinent to the story, such as defamation of character, uh, things that are private, elements that are private. In social media, you can do that. And in social media, the covering and the protection is I can have a website and I can say whatever it is that I want to say. And if someone doesn't like it to protect myself, I just change my identity. I change my IP. I change my location, which in journalism, you can't necessarily do that. So I think that um, it took off because of um, technological determinism and innovation of diffusion. I think that the web and the internet and the social media platforms and the ways of getting stories took off. And that was a wonderful thing. However, I don't think that parameters and protocols were set up to minimize harm. Many people, many lives, and, and, and many aspects of people's lives and businesses have been damaged. And it's not simply because all news is good news on social media. Um, and I have to include journalists as well, right? With legacy journalists, a lot of journalism um, news outlets, professional journalism news outlets, have been trying to keep up with technology. They've been trying to keep up with social media. And in some ways, unfortunately, they're allowing social media and technological determinism for technology to determine what makes the news today. So a lot of individuals, um, a lot of audiences are not getting the information that they need and should expect, especially on a local level, because there are a lot of news outlets that are just trying to keep up with technology. They're not trying to necessarily keep up uh, with their audience and the needs of their audience, which is one of the reasons why I've stated before, I think that local and independent news outlets 
Um, but I'm also going to add in their university and college news at, outlets are, are, are a great solution. Let me let me dig a little deeper on on some of the studies that have come out that have been uh, fairly stark in recent weeks and and months. Uh, one study came out and said that one third of U.S. newspapers that were around in 2005 mm-hmm. will be gone by 2024. Now that's next year. That's just a few months away. One-third of the U.S. newspapers uh, will be gone. Um, There are only roughly 6,000 newspapers left in America. That's down from about 8,900 in in 2005. Uh, Newspapers are sort of the dinosaurs of journalism at this point. Now, should they, we just write them off and say, okay, uh, newspapers had their day, they, they served their purpose, but with modern technology and modern access to information, uh, we don't need them anymore. So uh, they're going to waste, but so what? You know, they're, 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 they're not useful to us now. How would you respond to that as somebody who studies the the, the landscape of journalism? Um, well, what's interesting is back in 2000 and, 2003, I actually started studying and watching citizen journalists. I started doing qualitative and quantitative aspects in research studies on what this new phenomenon was of citizen journalism, getting citizens involved with the voice. And that included um, local, um, you know, examining local news and outlets. I don't think, um, I think it would do a disservice to just write off local news papers, um, local news outlets uh, for important reasons. Um, there is, you know, when you have local news, for instance, when you have local news, local newspapers, they're right there on the ground with you, giving you news that you can use locally when no one else is paying attention to you, where your voice can be included in these local publications, um, as, uh, local supporters and encouragers, but also we call to the carpet individuals and businesses and government officials uh, that need to be questioned about certain things. They need to answer to certain aspects. So we have that aspect of the importance of local news. It is the one place where the local voice can be heard before elections, right? You know, every year when there's an election, all of a sudden we go into, we see politicians going into the corners of society on a local level and say, we really care about you, what's really important to you. But th- as far as I'm concerned, they're a little late a lot of times. They're, all, they're using these individuals in the local community to, um, to get their votes. What we have to understand is that on a local level, um, according to, for instance, one um, to Statistica, one of the research platforms that I use, Pew and uh, Media Matters and um, some others, uh, that adults still watch close to three hours of television per day. 
Okay. And as we can, we know with between television and digital, um, we know that that's how certain news outlets were able to capture an audience, keep an audience and motivate an audience. Okay. So we know that. And so we know that local television and the desire for local news is increasing. What we also know is that we have another section of the community that prefers actually to read local news. Um, so while it is dying down, if you will, while we're losing um, audience members when it comes to local news, uh, newspapers, what is important is that there is also research to show that individuals are terrified of that because they're losing their voice. So if we look at the reasons why we're losing local news media because of the pandemic, because of finances, because individuals, um, older individuals, for instance, older generations still prefer local news on podcast, on radio, on television, and in their papers. You have a new generation of individuals getting local news that they prefer online. Here's, here's the catch. They prefer online while they're watching television, okay? So I think that despite all of this happening, when we're trying to look at, hey, should we just write them off? No, we shouldn't just write off local news outlets and local newspapers specifically because writing that off means there is no cultural unifier in your local community. If we lose all local newspapers, who's going to be the voice that and I mean journalists, okay, journalists, which means that you can be sued if you report fake news. That's protection. And that you have to hold the government responsible to their constituency um, as far as the fourth estate. You have to follow the code of ethics if you want people to, if you want to still hold your credibility as a truth sayer. And just report on the news, report on the truth, and make sure that it's accurate. If we lose that, we are losing the voice of the people. The voice of the local community is not in network news, unless it is a kicker, unless it's part of a bigger picture. And if we look at the number of local communities, everyone's not going to be um, included. Um, so we have to do our best. I think that, um, and we'll get to that where I have some um, ideas of what I think will work as from a research point of view, but also from a business standpoint of view, because we have to look at the final financial wherewithal, uh, where we have individual um, news outlets that are getting donations. Um, you know, so, you know, it, it's a number of um, the, so if we look at that, let, let me, let me say this, the leading source of offline news. So if we're not going to go online and the leading source of online news, according to the research that occurred in February, 2023 is local television news and local newspapers. So if they're going to go offline, which a lot of people do, technology is not, um, is not um, without its flaws, I will say. Or available to everyone. Yeah, exactly. We have the great, so again, okay, so we're going to have more of the digital divide. 
right? There are individuals where it, it's not a matter of intelligence. It's not a matter of finances. It's a matter sometimes of where you live. If you live in an area that does not have a good signal, you're not going to get, not only you're not going to get the internet, you're not going to get cable news. Those areas still exist, which means that you are not included in the marketplace of ideas, which is the fundamental foundation of democracy. Well, let's let's speak to that uh, a moment, because uh, all the studies that I've read, and I'm sure you would concur, mm-hmm. say that the loss of local news, now let's just focus on local news. Okay. The, 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 the loss of local news uh, is a crisis for our democracy, because it stimulates the polarization that we get from national and cable news outlets. Uh, There's a lack of civic engagement, and it allows misinformation and disinformation to proliferate. If that's true, and and I believe it is, What's the alternative? How do we counteract that as journalists or people who study media, people who teach media? How do we counteract that? Well, and we do know that that is, in fact, um, a truth that we have to deal with. Um, I would say very simply um, that to you and to the public, How do we counteract that? We have to support local news outlets. And that includes local news platforms and businesses and organizations that work independently. Um, We have to find ways to counteract all of the... We will not be a civilized, educated public if we suffer from all of these losses that you've named, and it is reality, we have more, as you said, we have more polarization. We have more arguments. We have more um, disdain. We have more for each other, not just for news outlets, for each other. Um, Because as we know, the way that digital, for instance, if we are all just digital, if we uh, if we just get away, get get you know, just get rid of all TV, um, get rid of all local news, just get rid of it. That means the only way the public, the local public, is going to get their news is possibly from online, possibly from cable television, because no longer is the rule where you have to at least, the FCC regulation saying that you had to at least run and have an online, I mean, a a television local news program. That's no longer required. You have to pay for that um, or even get the rabbit ears if you you can. All right. That's still there. Um, And so how are we going to be a civilized, informed community? And we know for a fact that the areas, the platform where disinformation and misinformation is cultivated and nurtured is online. Oh, it's, and it's cranking out 24 <laughs> seven. 
Right. <clears throat> and where's the It's on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> right. And where is the where's the protection for the local community for that? How do we protect? How do we um, educate and and develop a media literate local community if we're not even giving them the truth? If they're not getting the truth, where do we have that? Because I know in the court of law, which, you know, one of the courses I teach is communication law. It depends on money and power. It depends on how you read the law. If you know the law, it depends on whether or not you hosted it with an IP address here, whether you can be sued or the website developer can be sued or the platform developer can be sued or the technology. I mean, it is just really deep and it's really confusing and it's very difficult for any average person to um, understand this. Um, We're going back in time. If we lose all of these rights, uh, we don't have civil engagement now. We do not have these. We're losing freedoms. We're losing the right of an American being an American and a, 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 a democracy. We're losing it. Um, we're being um, forced to choose a side. So there is no freedom of thought. Because a lot of times, just like we, we've known um, and before we had digital, that people are actually going to migrate and gravitate what they already believe. So if you wanted to address Uh, issues, for instance, of misinformation, that's going to be even harder because of the fact that um, there is no push, there is no protection to say, okay, I understand you feel that way and that's what you think, but let me tell you the truth. Because knowing the truth online, if you don't have local media, local news outlets to say, okay, this is what you read online. So let us tell you the truth about it, what what we found from our research. If you do not have that element, then you are vulnerable to not not only aspects that will affect your life, but you are vulnerable to making ill-informed decisions for yourself and for your family and for your community because journalism and journalists, what we find on social media when it comes to some, some citizen journalism, okay, because some citizen journalism, I think they do a great job. Um, What we're going to find is information that is inaccurate. And then what are we going to do? How are we going to, how are we going to address that? Um, mm -hmm. Well, let me talk about one aspect and one thing that, that is addressing part of this. And I'd love to get your reaction to it. And that is the rise of hyper-local, Nonprofit news organizations. Uh, they're sprouting up all over the country where it is really just giving local citizens local news. Now, let me give you one example that I'm familiar with, and it's right here at the home of Ohio University in Athens, Ohio, called the Athens County Independent. They put out two digital newsletters that go out to subscribers, one on Monday and one on Thursday each week. It's free service. And the one on Monday provides an aggregation of news that's important to this particular 
area, geographic area, that's aggregated from state news sources and all of the other local news sources, be they online or or not. But the other important thing on that Monday newsletter is that uh, they list all of the meetings that are going on that week that might be important to people's lives, whether it's a township trustee meeting or a school board meeting. It's a complete listing of meetings. Now, what how important is that? They they did a survey of that information, and they found that it really makes a difference to the local citizens. Let me just give you some stats. More than 45% of the readers said that they attended a community event because of the coverage. About one-fourth say that they voted in an election or decided how to vote because of the coverage. Other impacts included uh, public people attending a public meeting. 20% said they attended a public meeting. Uh, 21% said they donated to a local cause. And 15% said they contacted a local legislator about things that they read just in the listings. So it's it's an example of hyper-local news that maybe is a little different than we used to define news, but look at the impact that that's having. Now magnify that across the country, and, and we may have a new movement. The, the problem is to find a business model that will sustain that. But I'd like to get your reaction to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I, I love it. <laughs> I love it because what um, Athens is doing, Athens County Independent, is they're filling in the spaces um, where, uh, where we're lacking, right? So they're filling in the space of giving you um, the latest on politics. They're giving you the space of not only just politics, not only just health issues, you know, and then some, a lot of times it's life or death, right? Whether um, job opportunities, meetings that you talk about, they're really important. And what to me this does is, is not just giving that information. Athens County Independent is not just giving that information. I want to add to that also the great work of WOUB um, uh, uh, Newswatch, which is Correct. really uh, local, doing some great job in Athens Midday. Um, that um, so you know you're getting it from there, you're getting it from noon. But Athens Midday, uh, one of our last shows, for instance, by students who are developing and learning how to be a journalist, was all local. We didn't have not one national international story in the entire um, newscast, thirty minute newscast, because there was so much going on. Right. And what that does is um, what the thing I like about that is most importantly, Tom is that by giving the public this type of information and looking at these wonderful uh, statistics, what it's doing, it is putting the power back into the hands of the citizens. It goes to that democracy issue that you were discussing. It's right to the heart of it. Absolutely. And it's saving democracy. It is helping to save democracy. We have to use what the power and the information we have responsibly. Now, a journalist outlet, a journalism outlet can't do that. 
We can give in because there's free will, right? People can choose what they want to do with the information. But through this, um, there's, so there's power. Um, there's an, an, an element of power that is transformational. By educating the local community right now on what is going on right now in your community, because you guess what? You could take those same statistics, Tom, and um, compare it with the dying out of local businesses, the dying out of local right. communities. Right. So it is um, a patch, an area of uh, democracy where democracy is still practiced. Free democracy is still practiced, which is the bedrock of America. It's say it, this is America. So when we look at that, Athens County Independent and WOUB and Athens Midday and all the other independent and local, hyper, hyper local uh, news outlets, what they're actually trying to do, if done well and ethically, what they're and professionally, what they're trying to do is save democracy. What they're trying to do is save the voice and the power of the people. This is what we stand on. If we do not have that um, in any realm of any of our states, if we lose that, then little by little, chip by chip, we are going to lose democracy in this country. So and that me, is bothersome to me. Let, let me switch gears and in, in before we get into the future, and I know you want to talk about that, and I do do as well, but l let me examine journalism education from a, an educator's point of view uh, without getting too deep into the weeds. Okay. Uh, some people may know I was director of uh, E.W. Scripps School of Journalism for seven years. Uh, yes. Uh, 2003 to 2010, then went on to direct WOUB from 2011 to 2020. Uh, you know, so I've worked with students, I've worked with education, and and uh, had many roles in it. You have as well. You're, you're recently back into the classroom uh, on a full-time uh, basis. Mm -hmm. So with that background, let, let me put this out. Somebody uh, said to me the other day, and, and I, it prompted me to do just a little bit of research. Mm-hmm. It, it's the person said, you know, you all train students to write for the Washington Post, to write for the New York Times, to work for CBS or Fox or one of the major cable or regular news networks. Those are your stars. Those, those are the people you brag about. Those are the people that you put on all of your posters and all your alumni uh, information pamphlets. What you don't do is emphasize the need and the importance of being a local reporter, be it print, be it broadcast, be it digital, but you don't value being a local reporter. The value is on being the national reporter. And uh, there was a recent article from Pointer, the Pointer Institute, which uh, to people out there listening, it's sort of the uh, Brookings Institute of, of uh, journalism. It's sort of the think tank of, of journalism. 
And it, it was a very good uh, commentary that said it, instead of having uh, Taylor Swift beat reporters, we need next door beat reporters. Mm-hmm. Do you think we're doing the job in journalism education to instill the skills that somebody needs to do that? Are we putting tools in their toolbox to do that? And more importantly, are we valuing people who do that? Are we valuing the people that go to podunk newspaper and spend 30 years of their lives building a community? Are we valuing the people who go to XYZ TV station in a small to, to, to low media market, but still give that local news or that morning information? You know, do we value those people? Well, I can only speak speak in a way. I'm going to speak about some of the results of the research that I found and looking at um, some of the news outlets and and uh, studying those um, from the local to the regional to the state to the national and international, of course. But let me ask answer your question and their question in, in this way. Um, we are, and and let me include, um, if you if I may. Um, the E.W. Scripps School of Journalism here sure. at Ohio University. Sure. Um, and yes, it was wonderful being under your leadership, Tom. I, I will say that as a disclosure here. Um, let me say that um, I beg to differ. Um, and the reason why I say that, whether it's here, whether it's the University of Illinois, whether it's Eastern Illinois University, whether it's Hampton University, whether it's Kansas University, the places where I've worked. And I've been so, and, and I consult and, and look at a lot of programs across the state. I know you do. Journalism programs. I will tell you that um, while you may hear or may see um, the journalists who happen, the college journalists who, are, who happen to work in some of the uh, top markets. Okay, um, what we are doing on the ground is every student in every program that I that most students I will say in most programs are being trained for the local level. They have to have beat reports, and beat reports are local areas that that they can get to. So on any day right now, if I say, okay, what's going on? Um, with the city council, what's going on with this? These are students who have beat reports that are local. So they have to, that's the foundation. They have to be able um, to report on that local level. We have to, um, we are training them um, on local weather (laughs) and local weather, local sports, local news. We're doing that a lot of times, uh, which again, let me, which is really interesting, Tom. One of the reasons why some most hear about the students who graduate and do uh, and get jobs or they're doing great work for top markets, right? Right. It is because of the lack of a local newspaper. Um, <laughs> a lot of times what you will find is the great work that's being done on a local level that impacts the students' lives, but also their families and their communities is through a local news outlet. Whether it's digital, newspaper, television, I think that we could do a better job in really pronouncing and announcing the local work and the great work that individuals are doing, student reporters are doing, 
And I think that you find that on a local level, national um, outlet is not necessarily going to be interested in all of the great work that local new journalism is doing with their students. I know for a fact that we, we are preparing them um, for, by preparing them now, for instance, by preparing them for top level positions, that means that we are preparing them to not only get that top level position, but everything underneath. But l- let me be devil's advocate for just a moment, okay. if, if I could, with all, yeah. <laughs> and okay. res- respectfully. Okay. But, but but that person who goes to – everybody gets trained in, in the same way, like you said, with beat reporting and so forth. Mm-hmm. But those people that go to the New York Times or the Washington Post or CBS or CNN or wherever – the, the 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 top we call them the top stars they go out and they get those 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 big jobs mm-hmm. the poor person who goes to has had the same training but goes to any town indiana and spends 40 years working for uh, a local news outlet be it digital or print or what it, radio or television i don't care Mm-hmm. They feel that they failed. They feel that they have not contributed. They have not made the grade because they're not at one of these big markets. Mm-hmm. How do we change that culture? Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay, two things come in mind, and I'm just going to be honest. One of the first <laughs> one of the first thing I wanted to say, Tom, where they're not being educated and trained by me. That's number one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> Over 23 years, That's fair. That's uh, fair. a lot of my students um, have done, and some of them actually work in Indiana and Indianapolis, and I applaud them because about, for me, the bottom line is getting a job that you love because being a journalist is not about money. As you know, it's not about money. It's not about you. It's not about you. You can't be narcissistic. You can't be egotistical. It's not about, oh, I'm going to make a big name for myself. Is are you doing stories that really matter? And so I will look at what is being what is being taught in schools, and I think that has to change. I think you bring up a great a, a great point um, that that has to change. We have to also understand that the reason why a lot of these individuals, uh, God bless them, is wonderful, are being applauded on a, a top level is for marketing and business, right? right? It's for marketing and business, and they say, oh, if this person is just doing this local news story. Like we just did a story on this wonderful grocery um, area, grocery business store called the pharmacy with an F. They've been a staple of this community for decades. I used to shop there. Three decades. Three decades. Absolutely. 37 years, I think it is. So all of a sudden they may be closing. And so what do we do? We spotlighted them and said, listen, this is what's going on. Um, this is a staple of the community because you know what's going to matter? It's going to reverse. You know what's going to matter? Because research also shows that individuals trust local news more than national. And but what has happened, like when you talk about this culturally, if we're looking and we're in a capitalistic society and we say, oh, by showing this number one who's doing this, then we could get more money from our donors. We can get more money from alum. We can get more money because a lot of the alums will say, well, they haven't ended up in a top 10 market. They haven't ended up at the New York Post, uh, Boston Globe. They haven't ended up. So 
it's not a, just a journalism problem. It's, it's American lens of what's really important. And I think that we're returning back to that. I think that we're going to find, um, and to me, I look at this as not a negative thing. I look at, at this um, um, problem, if you will, as an opportunity for universities and colleges to do a better job at promoting uh, real journalism that matters, promoting and applauding students who are doing great jobs on the ground in their local community. Um, we have a wonderful state house reporting uh, program by Tan Suttis, who is doing great. Uh, you know, he's 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 sending students up there uh, to the state house and reporting back to the local community. Hey, this is what's going on in your politics that you need to know about. I think we need to echo more of that. I think we need to showcase more of that. I think we need to showcase more of our students who are ma really making a difference here on the local level. And I think you're exactly right to to play that counterpoint and saying. We always applaud those who are doing this and this, which I think we should. Um, but I also believe that this is a wonderful opportunity for students, for universities and colleges to actually save print journalism, to actually save hyperlocal journalism outlets by their work, by doing their work. And because that that work is valuable. And that Absolutely. work is valuable. That's Absolutely. the key. It's not an afterthought. It's valuable. It's Absolutely. essential. Absolutely. And you know what's really important? You know, and I can speak from, I, I can't keep, I have no idea how many uh, Emmy Awards I've won, Associated Press Rewards I've won. Um, I started off as an anchor uh, producer for PBS um, out of Virginia, uh, straight out of college. And I then started working in 35th Market. I've worked for NBC, ESPN. I started a couple of shows. So there, I mean, it's a number of different things. But what I can tell you, Tom, as a journalist, because journalists are different, right? I yeah. did not set out. <laughs> We're different. In really We're different. Way, That's right. right? <laughs> um, I set out um, to be a journalist um, because I wanted, I, I love the truth. I love to seek the truth and report it. Um, I grew up with journalists who really did not care so much about being number one, didn't care so much about um, their national recognition, you know, kind of egotistical, if I will, superficial. And when people ask me why wow, you, they've said, you've won so many Emmy Awards. I cannot tell you how many I've won, but I can tell you every story behind the story. I can tell you why I covered that story that just happened to win an award. Because I can tell you that what I cared about was the family who lost everything. That's why I did that story. Not for um, the accolades. As a matter of fact, I didn't even submit any of my work to the Emmy Awards. It was my um, assistant news director, I mean, my news director and my supervisor um, um, that actually said, hey, this is really great. We're, we're going to submit it. I you know, and I think it is when we, if we play it in our classrooms and if we truly practice and preach, and, and I don't mean preach by religion. Let me make a right. disclaimer there. 
if we actually tell students, teach students how it's important, like what's in it for me, right? How does this affect your local community? How does this story, and these are the questions that we ask them in story meetings, right? But while we're applauding and showcasing on all of our websites across the nation of all these students who say, hey, I'm working for NBC, I'm working for CBS, guess what, Tom? We need to also have a wonderful equal platform for students who are doing great work right in here locally. Any town, Indiana, or wherever. Wherever. Wherever, because that really is what matters. They all matter, right? And so when they're working on the local level, many do that and they're very happy. They're able to have a family here. They're able to continue to put funding back into the community in which they were raised. Um, so they uh, are able to stabilize the community. But I think, and I again, I think that research is showing and we have an opportunity to really strengthen local news outlets. So let's let's talk about that in the last few minutes that we have. I know that yeah. you've done, done some research for your, your work as well as for our discussion on, on what the future might look like. Mm-hmm. Both in in journalism education as well as the end product, what what what's the end goal here? What what are we shooting for, and how are we going to get there? So, if I had a magic wand, okay, mm-hmm. we have to pay attention to technology. We just have to, because okay. it is um, technology and research shows us where our audience is and where our audience is going um, and where they may go. Okay. So digital has to be a part of this um, forecast of where we are now and what it looks like in the future. Okay. I do a lot of work with digital publication storytelling. That's number one. Uh, Number two, I think that, um, so here's my magic wand. There is one mega um, college program curricula that involves digital news, journalism and storytelling, newspaper, local newspaper, um, that's broken down into sections because we have to also understand somewhere people still need to know about regional, state, international, and national because it all affects us. Of course. It can be affected, okay? So then we have broadcast, which in broadcast, um, I look at television, radio, and podcasts. Okay, I look at all of that under the, uh, the broadcast a- element of that aspect. We have to have an element of research in our journalism now. Um, you know, we can't just be, cre- our credibility has been hurt. Um, and accuracy and, and people really believing us as trustworthy, right? So sometimes we have to also understand that it, we're not the story. That's the number one lesson in journalism. You are not the story. Um, and so I think that especially at, uh, universities and colleges that still have journalism programs and they want to keep their journalism programs, especially at research one and two um, schools, I think you have to have an element of, uh, research within your, uh, your reporting. But I also think it's a wonderful opportunity to have STRATCOM, strategy communications, a part of that. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, we have an agency, a lot of, of universities, universities and news outlets have already, we're doing what businesses have done on a local level. 
and on university level. So we've always had public relations, marketing, and that sort of uh, unit and department within every business outlet, media outlet. Okay. The difference is, is that now there are programs that are set up to actually teach Stratcom uh, where you have to promote local news, right? You have to know how to promote and market the local newspaper. And if you're a nonprofit, you got to know how to promote it to get donations and support. Whether it's grant money or large donations or even the $5 donations. Absolutely. Absolutely. And people have to believe in what they're donating to. So there has to be transparency. We have to start changing our mission statements and our vision. And not only, I don't say anymore that we're educating the public and that's what the journalists should do. The public is educating us and we need to listen to what the public is saying and we need to explore and research what the uh, public is saying so that we can put out the best product for our constituency, for our clients. At the same time, we must be able to be independent. Um, And not all the time is the news good. Uh, What you're finding, uh, we have eight, it's an oligopoly in a certain way where we have, and a monopoly, if I can say, as far as business integration, vertical and horizontal, basically in, an, in, in, in layman's terms, there are eight basic organizations, companies, leads that control all of communication in the world. All of it. Except, except when it comes to independent local. So if you look at that and say, who am I going to really trust? Who am I going to really trust as I move forward? Is it going to be the one that can't report on this product that you're about to drink? Because we have investments in that. Or is it going to be at this level of the independent where they're not bought by anybody? They're not controlled by anybody. I think there's a, also my sixth element, and this is my, this is my remedy, a potion for success um, when it comes to media. The other aspect is that we absolutely have to have an area for citizen journalists. We have to have an area uh, because a lot of them do great work. They're on the ground doing work that we cannot do. They're in the audiences and in the communities where we are not uh, trusted necessarily. And so there has to be a voice there of of regular individuals um, having an aspect of it. And we have to applaud the work, the work that's being done on a local level. We have to do better. I think that there has to be a push. Um, There has to be a campaign, if you will, um, to, I would love to see it on a national level of saving local news. It's important. I think there should be a national campaign to save local news. We've all seen what happens. If you're, if you're a national correspondent, uh, you can lose your job. You can lose your voice. You can be shut down. Uh, there are a lot of aspects that I think that are still in the hands of the control of the people. And in a de- free democracy, the power is in the people. And if we lose that, then we must hold every Government official, every politician, I don't care, on the local, state, regional, or national level, we have to hold them accountable. We have to hold them accountable. And so I still applaud um, the work that great news outlets are doing 
um, as working and support the state, professional legacy programs and news journalism uh, journalists are doing, holding the government um, responsible uh, because we pay their wages, that we pay their salaries. And the fact is, is that we have a voice um, now and every day uh, moving forward. So I look forward to um, journalism programs across this nation um, doing better and including all of the voices and all of the uh, technological advancements and innovations to help protect to help protect our democracy um, as we move forward. So that is, that is the vision that I think uh, that um, each American who believes in democracy, uh, I think is healthy for us to have together and work together in doing this, Tom, such as this work, such as your podcast asking this question. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, wow, this is really huge. But the conversation has to begin. It does continue. So I appreciate the opportunity, Tom, to um, start this con- to be a part of this conversation, for you to um, um, to ask the hard questions uh, that need to be asked. So I appreciate this opportunity just well, to give my little bit to it. Dr. Collins is always it's a, a great thrill to to talk with you, especially about this topic that I know that we're both so passionate uh, about. Yes. and I appreciate your time and and your your expertise. So thank you, thank you very much. My pleasure, much. my pleasure. Thank you, Tom. Today, we've been talking to Dr. Janice Collins about the turmoil in journalism and what the future might look like for journalists. Spectrum is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our co-producer. I'm your host, Tom Hodson. Please subscribe to Spectrum. You can do that at Apple Podcasts or at NPR One. Spectrum also is available through the NPR podcast directory. We always welcome your feedback, so please rate our podcast or review it through one of your favorite podcast outlets. If you have questions or comments about our podcast or have suggested topics for us to cover in the future, please direct them to me by email. You can do that at hodson at ohio.edu. That's hodson, H-O-D-S-O-N, at ohio.edu. Have a good day, everyone. Mm-hmm.